This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Yikes. As New England is bracing for epic, what they call generational Arctic outbreak, (laughs) there is that little thing, Puxatani Phil, the groundhog, who decided to declare by seeing a shadow that we were going to get six more weeks, as you just heard there, of winter. I feel sorry for everybody who doesn't live in a warm weather place. I know, because most of my life I haven't. Hey, everybody, it's Kate Delaney. Hope you're having a fabulous week. If you're not and you have the weekend off, woohoo! you have just a couple more days to get through. And you, my friends, will be able to grab the brass ring. You know, it's like that, such that attitude, right, that we're living for the weekend, like, this, like the old 70s song said. Um, it is a mindset. Come on. It is a mindset. Although I would really have to brace myself for the weather that my friends in New England are going to uh, and are getting right now are going to have to get through this weekend. Life-threatening cold. That's what the Weather Service is calling it. It's already dumped into the Northeast Thursday night, Friday. That's the big extremes. Wind chills, minus 30, minus 45 by Saturday throughout much of New England. That's dangerous stuff. You don't want to really be tooling around, I think, in in that kind of weather. I mean, whether you're in the upper Midwest or the Northeast, these are some of the temperatures that, so it's just not there. It's in some of the other spots up uh, north that you'll be getting those kinds of conditions. And then uh, to add insult to injury, the Arctic cold front pushes in, and there's also those snow squalls that rear up. And, you know, when you get it, when you're driving, you get in the middle of one of those, you cannot see anything. It is so not worth it. If you want to go to the club and it's uh, past midnight, uh, you might want to think about keeping the party at home. I mean, that's that's the way to do it, seriously, because you don't want to. I think it's terrible anyway when you're dealing with ice. You got to walk through a parking lot and then you're talking about temperatures where, hey, if you're out in an extra five minutes you and some skin's exposed, who knows? You could be talking about uh, frostbite. So better to wait for another day. But uh, if you do live there, especially Interstate 95, right down 95, that whole quarter, that, that area, high temperatures uh, are predicted to eventually bounce back up. But you're going to get that freezing highs all the way through there, for at least a couple of uh, days. And Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas and parts of Mississippi, a lot of people kind of in that band are dealing with the aftermath of the ice and temperatures starting to rise and burning that that all off. But uh, it was a tough, well, uh, icicles, it was a tough couple of days where there was a lot of accidents and, um, you know, Trees falling and also power outages, which is what you have to deal with when you get those ice storms. So uh, look out for everybody that is in the middle of that kind of weather. Speaking of looking up, not out, 
If you were looking up in Montana, specifically in Billings, Montana, you would have seen this strange balloon with what looked like a satellite right there attached to it. It was a satellite, a Chinese surveillance balloon collecting intelligence over the continental United States. The Pentagon monitoring it, in fact, thinking of shooting it down at one point. It is above commercial air traffic, so it's not a danger in that sense. But Brigadier General Patrick Ryder, a Pentagon spokesperson, told reporters in just this thrown-together kind of news conference where he had addressed what was going on, that um, they are aware of it, and there's conversation about what to do at one point, thinking of, do we shoot it down? But once the balloon was detective, because they had to prevent also the uh, collection of sensitive information, because why was the balloon there? And you're talking about, nukes in that area um what are the nuclear capabilities so this has been observed before but it's been a while and there have been similar balloons with guidance systems on board that have been detected over like hawaii and guam because there's substantial american military assets there when this was reported and this is a sparsely populated Montana, right? But it's home to numerous U.S. nuclear missile silos. We got the missile silos there. So what would that balloon be doing there? And, um, you know, you have Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who's traveling in the Philippines. But he convened a meeting with senior advisors to assess how to respond And they did briefly talk about shooting down the balloon. They they thought about doing that. Uh, In on the discussion was the top brass, of course, General Mark Milley, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. But he advised against that doing that, saying that the falling debris could put people and property at risk if if you shot it down because of the path. Even if the path was in a sparsely populated area. There still are people there. And upon further review, that going over the numerous sensitive sites, they say they don't have, it appears it doesn't have the ability to collect information that's over and above the tools at their disposal, China's disposal, like low-orbit satellites would. So they're taking steps to prevent Beijing from gathering any kind of intelligence, but um, they know where the balloon is, where it's passing over, and they're being vigilant about about it. But it, it's uh, interesting they contemplated what to do, and it included F-22s, a pair of F-22 fighters jets, you know, that were sent to investigate it to be able to coordinate something if they were deciding they were going to have to shoot it down. So it's interesting because initially the balloon was over the uh, Aleutian uh, Islands rather in Alaska, then over Canada. And where it was initially launched from, they don't really know. I mean, even in Canada, they were talking about monitoring the potential second incident to make sure the airspace there is secure. And, of course, they've reached out to uh, China 
And the Chinese government maintains it is the United States that's taken unwelcome and provocative actions, namely through supplying arms to Taiwan. So the concern is, is this, why are they doing this? Right? Why, why is this uh, happening? And you got Austin meeting with counterparts in the Philippines, and they've announced a new agreement where the U- our forces, U.S. forces, will receive access to four more additional bases in that area because now they've expanded the Pentagon's strategic footprint, you have to say that, in an effort to counter China. That's why we're there. And that plan adds to five other bases already used for training because you think of the troops, you got to have a place, a secure place to, to have them and to have them ready to uh, move if they have to uh, move. So this is wild to see this balloon and, uh, you know, again, hovering over sensitive areas. And what's going to happen in the next couple of days will be something to watch. That's uh, for sure. Stay with us. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendivite. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. You should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today. 
The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea naturally builds good cells and kills bad cells. So it's great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting an infection, diabetes, or cancer. To order, visit drinksupertea.com or call 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com, 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. End of the show. A couple of great authors. Kaz Piper joins us from Australia. I'm not even going to try my Australian accent. It's lame. <laughs> I've been told that all my accents sound the same. Anyway, um, delightful person who had some really wild experiences with uh, rock and roll music and traveling around and brushes with interesting people in the circles that she was traveling and then how scary it is to realize what's going on around you, including, um, you know, drug cartels, you know, you get, you get, you're young and impressionable and you're excited and crazy in love. And the next thing you know, you're getting, getting into the country illegally and and then the story goes from there i'm not going to give it all up for you she's written an interesting novel and she's going to talk about that and and talk about the talk about some of the brushes with fame that were also pretty pretty interesting i'm just going to say one of my favorites the boss would be one of them plus jason reed if you haven't heard him i uh talked to him about he's a great sports writer i talked to him about the rise of black quarterbacks and that is a big piece of what's happening in the Super Bowl. You've you've got Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. So there is some history in the making there with those two quarterbacks from the Eagles and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So what's happened in the past and now fast forward to what's happening now and and some of the uh some of the quarterbacks that uh were kind of the woulda, shoulda, couldas where people missed in the draft, but now that's uh, a far different story and um, the history behind all of that. Like I said, he's an incredible sports writer and really a great human being too, by the way. So it's fun to have a chance to to talk uh, to talk with him. You know, as we go through kind of odds and ends, I always say there's things that slip off the uh, the radar because so much is always happening around us. Uh, the beauty of and my pleasure in doing this show and why I love being an American and, and love having had the ability in my life to live in every single what I call quadrant of the United States. So in the South, the Southeast, uh, North, you know, Midwest, West Coast, East Coast, and and really just liking people and, and the different things that happen in our culture and it's been interesting because Netflix just celebrated its first streaming show ever. I shouldn't say celebrated, just marked marked its first streaming show ever. Went like when did that happen? 
And do you know what the first streaming show was? You think now every everybody streams. Everybody has some offerings. It's, you know, Paramount Plus, MGM Plus, uh, NBC, Peacock Network. And this was this was one of the first shows that um and I and I watched it because so many people told me, "Hey, I know you're busy, but this is kind of what you do in your downtime here and there, so this is one to watch." And it was adopted from the Brits, and it's it was House of Cards, which you can still go and watch. And it came out in 2013, which in a way doesn't seem that long ago. It was the breakthrough show for Netflix, and that because that was that on-demand service that launched i mean the whole netflix thing launched back in the late 90s right but house of cards that was the big streamer and uh now you look at kevin spacey and of course what's happened and in 2017 at the height of when that was so popular from from starting in 2013 he was fired because of the sexual misconduct allegations but they still went on robin wright became the female president in 2018 and that was the sixth and final season of it but um it it was a political thriller and it's so brilliant it was based on a novel and it was an adaptation of a show that they had on the bbc and and uh just epic it's like 13 episodes and you know i wasn't a binger and i didn't have the time for that and i was so hooked into it you know where what traditionally what you had to do we all know this uh even if you're in your 20s you can relate to this whether you're older is that you would be you had only a certain amount of bandwidth when it came to what you were watching and so you go back and look in ratings histories ratings were so different than they are now where you've got uh programs on the the i call them the big three networks and then now even the cable networks that they're struggling to to find footing because there's so much there's so many things you can stream whenever you want to stream them right so you can just let a whole season go and if you are a binger person you just wait and then you binge the whole thing although boy it is so tough on you when you binge there there is a very funny show called portlandio Portlandia, and uh, one of the one of the vignettes that they did—it's comedy. And one of the vignettes that they did—they had a couple where they were watching, they were binging something. It was a sci-fi, a popular sci-fi series that they hadn't seen. I want to say it was Galactica, but they were binging it, and they weren't intending to binge. Hey, let's watch a couple of these. And they sat down, and they just showed how they were constantly ordering out for food, and it was just. It was like they were bears hibernating, watching this and growing old, watching and binging, binging this show. And I think that's become so much a part of what life is like now that you have the ability, even if you just are binging it and streaming it and watching it a little at a time, you know, you have the ability to plug into it and just watch it as you go along. So anyway... Uh, not to go even deeper into the rabbit hole, but that was the first big one. It was House of Cards. And that was what people um, obviously liked. 
and gave it the big boost that it got on Netflix and led to them even producing so many other things uh, as a result of that. All right, it is Super Bowl 57, so just a quick hit on that for odds and ends. Rihanna is the headliner of the halftime show. She's a nine-time Grammy Award winner. Guarantee, if you've flipped on any kind of music at any point, uh, whether it's, you know, the what I call the old way to do that. Look, listening to stations as you're as you're driving around. My favorite way, by the way, because the great lover of radio of all sorts, not just talk, the 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 radio that I choose, the medium that I love. But um, you probably have heard some of her her songs incredibly successful at what she does. But the pressure on the halftime show, because talking about eyeballs on you when you have more than a hundred million people it's huge to be to be the person who's the headliner to to get chosen for that so now here we we're down to the nitty-gritty we have basically a little over a week and um you know she she is it she whatever the offering is we'll get to see what Rihanna comes up with, and I can only imagine what it's going to be because I, I, these are such big, big, big shows. So I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be huge. There, there were these T-shirts that were out in advance of the Super Bowl halftime show, and it's it said on the T-shirt, "Rihanna concert interrupted by a football game." Weird, but whatever. So just kind of as a a funny little nod to the role that she's playing there. I think I think she's going to have an an excellent halftime show. Every year it seems to me they there's always some twist, something some ooh or ah moment and that's what she needs. I th- you know, it's not just you're going on and you're and she knows that because she's a performer. You're not just going on and belting out a tune, not like if you went back in the history of the Super Bowl and saw what some of the headline shows are. They just have something phenomenal that some kind of what I call Easter egg that has to be in the midst of it. Whatever that's going to be, I don't know because they always keep that as a guarded secret, but it'll be sure it'll be sure to be guaranteed something very 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 big i can only imagine all right so many people um you know this is the three dreaded letter time the the irs when you're filing taxes and people that are getting money back the best way to do it i was just having this conversation with somebody is do it from do direct deposit right if your refund is whatever, the average refund, 3200 bucks, uh, and even if it's a little bit smaller, whatever it is, and you get a refund, ditch the whole check thing. Forget that. And go on and make sure you get it through direct deposit. A lot safer, too. Hang with us. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov.
Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. USA News Update. A federal judge in California is rejecting a lawsuit by pro-Palestinian groups seeking to force the Biden administration's hand. They want the White House to put a stop to the Israeli military offensive in Gaza, which has left more than 26,000 Palestinian civilians dead. In dismissing the case, the judge said he did not have jurisdiction over the matter. If your kids consume energy drinks, their brain might be at risk. According to new research, those who drank energy drinks with caffeine or stimulants in them had a higher risk of mental health issues, including attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. Actor Alec Baldwin has pleaded not guilty to involuntary manslaughter charges in the fatal shooting of cinematographer Halnia Hutchins on the New Mexico movie set of Rust. Baldwin waived his arraignment and entered the plea in a court document that was filed Wednesday. John Schaefer, USA News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay.
to take you to Australia here on America Tonight with me, Kate Delaney, for a conversation with Kez Piper, who's in our virtual green room. This book will blow you away because it's one drama after another. It takes you back in time. It takes you back to an era that people are talking about a lot now, things that they don't remember or younger people who who want to know more about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So the name of the book is called Those Little White Lines. Kez, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Very privileged. So this book, what? how did it come about? What made you decide you were going to write a novel? Um, well, it was basically, um, friends and family that used to say, my God, Kaz, you know, you need to write a book you need to write a novel and, and get it out there. The story is amazing. And they, they were all familiar uh, with the whole, um, process of the story. So that, that gave me a little bit of inspiration, but it was a lot of closure as well for me. So Bridget, your main character is just a gorgeous Australian blonde. And she meets up with the guy named Jose. And then what happens from there? We're not going to tell everybody everything, but the adventures are definitely deep. Tell us a little bit about that story. Okay. Well, um, Jose, he was a member of a, a famous a rock band that was uh, touring Australia at the time. And, um, I had, was at a nightclub at this particular time and he approached me, my girlfriend and decided he wanted to sit down and buy us drinks. And, um, anyhow, I had sort of, I've noticed, I noticed that he was an American and I said, Oh yeah. So whereabouts are you from? This is California. I went, Oh, that's good. And I said, so what are you doing here? And he said, well, we're here on tour. And um, I said, oh, yeah, who, who are you touring with? And he told me, the hypnotics. And I went, oh, my God, I, Donna and I, my girlfriend at the time, was with me. We just wanted, wanted to go to the concert, but there was no tickets left, so we couldn't go. And he said, well, would you like to come? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. So uh, hence that was the meeting with Jose. And then went to the concert, and that was epic, and he did address me uh, at the concert, which was really nice, had the spotlight there and it was like a little bit surreal and a bit nerve wracking. And, um, and then he decides to, um, we spend a fair bit of time in Sydney. Um, then we took a train, um, up to, uh, Brisbane, but they wanted to do the train because they wanted to see a lot of the outback of Australia, the kangaroos, the koala bears and, you know, the emus and all that. But, um, yeah, so we end up in Brisbane. They did a tour, um, a concert there, and then we flew back and spent some time together. And then he decided that he wanted to take me to this to California, and hence I had trouble getting a visa at the time. So, yeah, he um, came up with another plan. So the plan was within those little white lines, and um, that's how the story starts. Wow. So anything to, anything that he could do to get you to America, basically, and we'll let people hear the rest of uh, that story. Was it fine? Was it, I guess not fine, but was it really fun? It's more than fine. Was it fun to tell the story? Um, yes, it was at the time. Um, it's even better now that it's all, you know, it's like been 30, what, 36 years ago now. So I've sort of had my closure and, um, but, uh, Look, it was the most amazing time. I was in awe. I, I really didn't 
think of where I was heading at the time with him and where it was going um, until that time when we met in, um, I had to change my ticket to Vancouver and I remember him waking me up early in the morning and saying, Kaz, we've got to go. And it's like, well, where are we going? <laughs> he said, we've got to go and catch this plane. So he had a plane lined up um, that we drove out, I think it was 40 minutes from Vancouver and in a grassy paddock and we were waiting for this plane. It was like, and then I had second thoughts thinking, oh, my God, what, what am I doing? What is going on? And then suddenly I was in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> in Seattle, and then the white lines. I tell you what, they do a bit of damage to your to your brain, fizzle oh, out yeah. your brain. Oh yeah, the adventure takes off, and you talk about that. And again, the the book is aptly named "Those Little White Lines." What yeah. um, what was They're it? Actually, quite big. Yeah, quite <laughs> big. What was it? What it makes me think of uh, Miami Vice and everything that was happening in the eighties. What? Yeah. What was it like to live through all that? I mean, you, gosh, these adventures. Mm. It was, um, oh, what could you say? It was exciting, but then it was also very, um, um, oh, what could I say? It was just so surreal. It was like, I, you know, the people that I had met on the tour, on tour when we went on tour and, um, just being there, the it was just so epic. I I don't know. I don't know what words to describe that, but um, it was um, a very um, very beautiful time for me, as well as a not so beautiful time for me. But um, yeah. It was the yin and yang, and that's what your book is like. You talk about that. I mean, listen, your sister was in a band. You like music. I mean, what a what a um, an easy thing to kind of get reeled into, right? Absolutely, yeah. We loved our bands. We we used to go and see the um, the bands that would play just about every night of the week. We had a really we had parents that would you know were quite um, accommodating in that way, and um, we also had a lot of international bands that would come to Sydney, and we would take the train up there and you know see them, and then they'd come down to the Gong and. So, yeah, it was all very um, – oh, my younger brother plays guitar as well and writes songs, and um, his story is interesting too, but that's in the the next book if it ever gets there. Which I I'm like sure it. That's a tease for the upcoming book. So what do you hope people take away from reading those little white lines, which you can get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever great books are sold? Yeah. Um, just – just be aware of um, the situations that you are in or if something seems too good to be true, it usually is, and just take care. And also make sure that you tell your friend or your family where you're actually going if you are on an adventure like I was with my little white lines. So, yeah, it's um, just be careful, I would say. Your family was close. Were they worried about you, do you think? Yeah, very much so, especially my father. He was, um, you know, I would call them, I did call them from Canada and say, because they thought I was going to Los Angeles and, um, yeah, and they was like, if anything happens to you, you tell me, I'll come over and, you know, I'll fix that guy up for you and all So, But when I end up, I end up telling them about six months into the um, 
into living in, in Los Angeles and um, they weren't really happy and they were a bit disappointed that I didn't tell them actually where I was going. No one really knew where I was. Uh, they knew they, they thought I was in America, which I was in America, but they didn't know the, um, the mechanics behind it all. So, yeah, but they, they were fine with it at the end of the day. I got home safe and, and um, yeah, and the experience was just wild. So just be careful, guys, out there if you're... As I said, if anything's too good to be true, it usually is. Oh, boy, and that is a good warning. I, I'd be remiss not to ask you this. I talk about brushes with fame, as I've had a few of my own, and so have many people listening to this show. I mean, it's it's something that happens depending on what you do for a living or where you are, and you were, again, involved in the, the music industry, essentially, because of, of being around rock and roll and, and all of that. Who was the most interesting person you met? Do you remember? Yeah, I do actually. And at the time he was traveling, he was, he was doing a tour in uh, Australia as well. And that was the boss, the Bruce Springsteen. Um, he actually, uh, when I was introduced to him by Jose, he, um, went to shake my hand and he kissed it. And then I thought, Oh my God, there's no way I'm going to wash this hand ever. And, um, of course, Jose wasn't appreciative of it. So he sort of just introduced me and then sort of kind of let's go. Cause, um, he had, um, he was there at the concert and he was at touring next after, you know, uh, the hypnotics, um, we're, we're going back to the, to the States. So, and, you know, Tom Petty, I had the pleasure of meeting him. Um, Joe Walsh from the Eagles. Um, they're people that I can actually mention because they're not in the book. Nice. Um, I, I've had to, you know, as the old saying goes, what, what happens on the road stays on the road. <laughs> right. Uh, and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So I, I did spend a lot of time in Vegas as well because um, Jose was a big gambler. Um, he used to play the blackjack. And um, so we used to visit Vegas just about every weekend or every second weekend. And, um, yeah, so hey, it was a very interesting time. <laughs> No kidding. Well, I love that. Uh, I love those brushes with fame. And like you mm. said, uh, you can't tell those secrets and you didn't. You protect the innocent or the guilty because you definitely didn't name names. So those little white lines, Kez Piper, thanks a lot. Pick up the book. You'll love it. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening to this version of the show. Make it count, everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And if you guys out there could go to www.caspiper.com. Uh, it is on audio and also my Facebook and Instagram. Much appreciated, Kate. You take care and hope to talk to you soon.
this is Kate Delaney. I am truly amazed by this audience. Many of you have been reaching out to me to ask more on what I call the No Drone Zone. How do you find out about the show or listen to podcasts or guests or even my books? So here we go. Go to katedelaneyradio.com for more on what's shaking in my orbit. To reach me, simply hit the contact tab and send an email. Behind the scenes photos, great video, travels, the dog. Yeah, that's Guinness. He is the mascot. Go to Kate Delaney Fan Page on Facebook. Kate Delaney Fan Page on Facebook. Or hit me up on Twitter at Kate S. Delaney. At Kate S. Delaney. For any of my books, including Deal Your Own Destiny, Amazon simply is the easiest. Thanks for listening as we talk about what's happening in my backyard and yours and how it affects us. We throw in laughs, cheap movie reviews, the man cave and authors with some interesting stories to tell. If you've already forgotten everything I've just said, just go to katedelaneyradio.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Advertising is simple. It starts with someone who has a need. Mom! And then gets more specific. Mom, I want pizza. Then we add urgency. I want pizza tonight. Before you know it, your GCN advertising message is reaching millions of listeners. Listeners who are definitely in need. We want pizza! You see, advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. His incredible rising black quarterback, what it means for America. I'm a big fan of his. When I started my career just outside of L.A., I read his stuff on the Dodgers at the Los Angeles Times. And then when he was with the Washington Post, he covered the then Redskins, which are now the Commanders. And you can catch his stuff on ESPN now. He's the senior NFL writer and scape. And of course, he's been with ESPN and you see him all over the place. And this book is really incredible. I read it from cover to cover. I learned some things I didn't know. And you're going to learn some amazing things, too. So, Jason, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. 
you know, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Dak Prescott, there's a slew of quarterbacks. I'm from Philly, so I can't help it. I'm high on Jalen Hurts. I mean, I know it's really at the beginning of his career, so to speak, with the pros, but we saw what he did in college. It's a different story with the black quarterbacks now. Do you think they're getting the black quarterbacks are getting the recognition they deserve? Yeah, you know, I I like to tell people now that there has never been a better time to be a black man who plays quarterback or aspires to play quarterback in the NFL. These guys are beloved by fans. They have the biggest contracts. Their platforms are enormous because of their success. And, you know, this has really been a journey more than 100 years in the making because black quarterbacks or black men who aspire to play quarterback in professional sports, most successful league and professional sports, you know, most powerful league were largely prohibited from from doing it for most of the league's history. It really is a recent development. And by recent, I mean the mid to late 80s was when we really start to see black quarterbacks becoming okay, a part of the game, not not considered an oddity or, or an outlier, that they really were okay people who were in the fabric of the NFL. So yeah, it, a lot has changed. And we're at a point right now where, you know, in, in another five to 10 years, it would not be shocking if you saw as many as 12 to 16 superstar black quarterbacks. And by that, I mean, when you look at the college game now, you look at the traditional college powers, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the USC's, all led by star black quarterbacks. You know, I'm a, I'm a sports writer, and when I started my career, I was covering high school recruiting and you would go to these elite high school recruiting camps with the quarterbacks and you'd never see black faces. Now there are superstar four and five star recruits who are black quarterbacks all over the place. So we are in the era of the black quarterback now and, and the pipeline from youth football, to high school football, to college football, it's just going to continue to flow to the NFL. And, you know, it, it really is something that when you talk about, the evolution of the country, you know, in terms of many issues, you can see it in the NFL with the rise of the black quarterback. And this is an obvious question, but why did it take so long for black quarterbacks to be accepted? You know, I've talked so much about this in my discussions about the book, and I try not to oversimplify it, but it really just comes down to racism. I mean, black men in the NFL, not just in the NFL, I mean, in America, were, were not considered to be smart enough leaders people who could inspire others and by others i mean other you know white people so you know if you look at that if that's the way black men were looked at in society clearly sports are just a you know microcosm of society so that's the way they were going to be looked at in the nfl and for decades black players were not allowed to play the so-called thinking man's positions center on the offensive line because the center has to make line adjustments middle linebacker on the defense middle linebacker is a quarterback of the defense or safety the safety is a quarterback of the secondary so if, if black players were not allowed to play those positions clearly they wouldn't be allowed to play the ultimate thinking man's position which is quarterback so you know it, it really wasn't until these owners started to see that okay well the game has gotten so big now that quarterback is truly the most important position. You can't overlook anyone at that position if you want to try to win. And it was really a matter of self-preservation for general managers and, and coaches because once the game exploded, and you know, when we get, you know, people forget that Major League Baseball 
really dwarfed the NFL for much of the previous century. But once you start getting into the 80s and the Super Bowl became this thing that occupied like all of America and the pageantry around it and the, and the spectacle around it and these teams like, you know, the Bears and the, and the 49ers and the Giants, like once the NFL going into the 80s really started to overtake Major League Baseball, and the money got so big, these general managers and owners could not afford to just say, well, we're not going to take this quarterback because he's black. Because if you pass over somebody who can help you win and you lose your job, you're going to be like, I wish we'd have looked at that guy. So that's really the change that occurred. Yeah. We're speaking with Jason Reed, and the book is Rise of the Black Quarterback, what it means for America. I think that is such a big part of the title of this book. If you would, because we want people to go and get it, let's whet their appetite a little bit. Tell us a couple stories in the book. You know, one story, a, a great one, is about Warren Moon, the the only black quarterback enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, I suspect that's going to change in the years to come, but right now he's the only one in the Hall of Fame. And you know, Warren Moon... He was, he wasn't drafted into the NFL when he came out of, and it's so crazy when you think about it now. He was the, 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 what is now the Pacific 12 conference. Back then it was called the Pac 8 conference. He, he was the Pac 8 conference co-player of the year and he helped Washington win the Rose Bowl, the University of Washington, and he doesn't get drafted. I mean, that would never happen out of a major conference today, but he, he has to go to Canada, continue his career, goes to Canada, lights it up, wins championships, sets records passing. The Houston, the then Houston Oilers, uh, win a bidding war to, to, to get Warren to come down from Canada. And after, a, you know, a, a transition period, he had a rough, tr- you know, first year, you know, in making that transi- transition, excuse me. But after that transition, he lights it up. He becomes a perennial pro bowler. He sets, you know, records. He's, he, I mean, and he gets, he gets into the hall of fame and it just, it's just so interesting how history might have been different because the Dallas Cowboys, the uh, elite scout of the Dallas Cowboys in their draft meeting, that 1978 draft, said, hey, you know, this guy is a guy we should draft. But black men were not being drafted to play quarterback in the NFL in the late 60s and even to the late 70s. So, or at least not in, you know, in, in high numbers in, in the late 70s. And Warren Moon got passed over. How might history have been different if Warren Moon had gone to Dallas and was the quarterback after Roger Staubach? instead of Danny White. I mean, you know, Dallas fans may want to think about that. Um, another story I would say, uh, you know, contemporary one, Patrick Mahomes, just the, the, the clout he wields and how he uses his power to push the NFL to do things that he thinks it needs to do in terms of social justice issues. You know, he's very big in voting rights. And, you know, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, so many quarterbacks, he, he stands on the shoulders of so many quarterbacks before him who did not have the power to affect change. And the fact that he does and the fact that he uses that power without, you know, concern about what it might do to his brand and people who might get upset about it, it, it says a lot about the rise of the black quarterback. Yeah. And now finally, moving from quarterback to we see what's happening in the NFL coaches under representation, uh, obviously, same thing in the GM ranks and front office ranks. And we see the Brian Flores lawsuit. What do you think it'll take for that to change? Well, you know, I think it, it, people are just going to have to keep pushing people internally in the NFL who believe that diversity and inclusion uh, are, are good things for, from a business standpoint. Those people have to keep pushing civil rights advocates on the, you know, on the externally, they have to keep pushing because, you know, clearly 
the hiring front is the next big front. It used to be that that the that the, that the biggest frontier in the NFL for black men was quarterback, getting to play the quarterback position. Now the frontier that has to be conquered and tamed, so to speak, is hiring, hiring at the executive level, uh, you know, in, in, in football operations and business operations and on field hiring with coaching in terms of head coaches. So I think that, you know, what we need to see is what we're seeing right now, but just, you know, on, on a, in an ongoing basis, people continuing to push because this is the right thing to do. Yeah. For you, um, last question, what was it like writing this book? Because uh, I've said I'm a big fan. I've followed your career. You get sports. You've covered it for sports for a long time. I can imagine 70, 75 interviews, lots of conversations. So it might have been quite an undertaking. Was it fun? It was it was funny, you know. It's so funny you mentioned the number. It was over seventy interviews, and uh, it was you know, done over about an eighteen month period, uh, researching, reporting, you know, writing. It, it was. I've been a sports writer my whole career, you know, a, a beat writer and a columnist, and I didn't. I I always wanted to write a book, but. Um, from a timing standpoint, you know, then life gets in the way, you, you know, you get married, you have kids and a lot of things. But bottom line was this is a book I, I had a lot of passion about. I was given time to write it, to report it and write it in a way that I felt would do the do the subject matter justice. And um, I'm very proud of it. And I hope people will come to the book with an open mind and leave with maybe a new perspective on something that they thought they knew everything that there was to know about it. Well said. Rise of the Black Quarterback, what it means for America. Jason Reed, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Kate Delaney, I am truly amazed by this audience. Many of you have been reaching out to me to ask more on what I call the No Drone Zone. How do you find out about the show or listen to podcasts or guests or even my books? So here we go. Go to katedelaneyradio.com for more on what's shaking in my orbit. To reach me, simply hit the contact tab and send an email. Behind the scenes photos, great video, travels, the dog, yeah, that's Guinness. He is the mascot. Go to Kate Delaney Fan Page on Facebook. Kate Delaney Fan Page on Facebook. Or hit me up on Twitter at Kate S. Delaney. At Kate S. Delaney. For any of my books, including Deal Your Own Destiny, Amazon simply is the easiest. Thanks for listening as we talk about what's happening in my backyard and yours and how it affects us. We throw in laughs, cheap movie reviews, the man cave, and authors with some interesting stories to tell. If you've already forgotten everything I've just said, just go to katedelaneyradio.com.